Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Today on the show, we have Michelle Polar. Michelle Polar is a friend of mine from the internet, and then we became friends in real life and even better friends when we had this conversation. Uh, Michelle Polar is a full-time public speaker. She has a new book out that's coming out this week called Hello Fears. Michelle did a 100-day project that went crazy viral where she decided she's going to face a new fear every single day for a hundred days. Things as simple as camping all the way to like diving with sharks and hanging off cliffs and public speaking and uh, all kinds of really crazy stuff. If you want to check out the project, go to creativepeptalk.com slash episodes slash 275 and you can get you can go check out her whole project it's incredible but even more incredible is this book and michelle's message i had the pleasure of seeing her do a talk in an arena uh 
in Columbus uh, like eight or eight months ago or something, and it changed my life. There was something, I kid you not, I had a profound experience watching her. There's, she was so in her purpose, and uh, it just made me want to live more authentically. I feel like some of you are like, Andy? You're all you're already too authentic for us, but just you wait. Michelle's unleashed a new authenticity in me. You don't even know, man. Um, but but seriously, I got in touch with what I felt like my message was and what my fears were and all that good stuff. Um, Michelle is the real deal, and she surprised me with some of the answers here. You can tell in this episode, I get really pumped about some of the stuff she said um, that I was not expecting, and uh, it's a really great conversation. Go check out her book. Go buy it. Hello Fears by Michelle Poehler. Tons of practical and inspiring things about how to get past the thing that's in the way between you and the creative work that you're on this planet to do. Your life's work, your creative work. It's fear. That's the thing that's holding you back. She's got a lot of answers. She knows a lot about a lot of firsthand tactics and info on how to get past those things. Here she is, Michelle Poehler. Michelle, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I know it's been a long time coming. I've wanted to have you on the show for ages, and we have only just got to it. But it's a good time because you just had a book come out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> does it does it feel like everybody says like uh, you, you like birthing a baby? It is, and you know what? It took nine months to write, so yeah. it is literally like a baby. And you know what I'm doing for the lunch? I'm having a cake, and we're blowing candles because it's my book's birthday. Like zero. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I bet that was insane. Um, so you just have I just got a copy of it. It's absolutely beautiful. It's packed full of. I just started reading it. Amazing stuff in there. And I've heard your story and, and you speak about it. Um, for people that don't know, it's called Hello Fears. And it's about a project you did that went viral where uh, that became the foundation of your public speaking career. And it's this project that's a simple idea, but an, ex- an extremely difficult thing to execute where you did a 100-day project. You'd have to face uh, a new fear every day from small things like camping to I think like diving with sharks am I right with that so you you think camping is a small thing well for me I'm <laughs> judging you I guess <laughs> a fear come on you, you could have gone further that day I know, I know how about wrestling a bear come on <laughs> oh no I, I so the point was not to die it was to live life to the fullest <laughs> right Well, actually, the truth is, uh, when I was reading through about the camping one, at first I thought, come on, camping, that's not scary. But then you mentioned the things you were scared of, which was at the top of that list was bugs. And I am deeply afraid of bugs. I hate bugs so much. So I feel you. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Before we get to the book, though, I want to ask, what were you like before this project? If we could go before pre-Fears 100-Day Project, and we'll get to all the details of what that was, but um, before all this went down, could you tell me an example of or a story about how you'd avoid things that you were afraid of or what was your relationship to fear before all this happened? 
So before all of this happened, I was very happy actually living inside of my comfort zone. I can't mm. say that I had a miserable life because I had so many fears. Like some people would assume actually had a pretty decent life growing up. Um, and so the, the only thing that was missing was that I was not really living life to the fullest. I was just having a very normal life. You know, I had a boyfriend that I loved. I had good friends. I had a college degree. I had everything you can imagine. I found a really good job in advertising as an art director. So I was checking all the boxes and I was mm. accomplishing these things. But it was one day when I realized that I was not living, like actually experiencing my life. And I missed out on a lot of opportunities that would have made my life so much better, so much more memorable. Uh, and I missed out because I was afraid to be outside of my comfort zone. For example, when my friends decided to go backpacking through Europe, they didn't even ask me if I wanted to go. And I was happy they didn't ask me because I was like, <laughs> how am I going to tell them that I can't go? And actually, I can. I just don't want to. Um, and then, for example, growing up, all my friends went to camping. Well, like like to you know summer camps uh and i never did that i always stayed with my family and just went on trips um so i just avoided being outside of my comfort zone for example when i started working like in my early years i avoided driving at night so if there was like a, a, an event or whatever it is i would miss out on it because i was like i'm not driving by myself at night no way not even with someone i'm not driving at night period um so i just limited my life a lot now, compared to life after the project where you are at least attempting to live life to the full, what do you feel like uh, the current Michelle would say to the past Michelle of what she's missing because of not because of staying in the comfort zone? What would you now that you could compare if you were comparing life before the project and life now? What would your sales pitch be for getting out of the comfort zone in terms of this is the thing that you're not uh, having on a regular basis because you aren't saying yes to these things? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that I was not building a memorable life. Mm. And that is really sad because one day life will stop. And then what are some of your greatest memories if, if you just stayed inside of your comfort zone the entire time and you're just doing the things that you already know that you like. So yeah. now this, Michelle, when I look back, the best moments of my life are the moments that I was uncomfortable and that I still did all those things. So if you ask me now, what's one of those moments where you felt you live like life to the fullest, I would tell you that when I went rafting in Costa Rica and it was like rafting level, level three. So it was like really mm. hard, but, and I was freaking out that day and I was dying, but I was like, no, this is brave Michelle. Now I need to challenge myself, even though I'm dying and I don't want to die. And <laughs> you know, like I want to have this experience because I know it will create a memory. And I have have this interesting theory of time that actually I explain all of it in the book, but I'll tell yeah. you a little bit about it. And I've been thinking a lot about this because of the quarantine, mm. that it's that when we uh, do many different things, we create what I call 
different boxes, all right? Mm -hmm. But when you do the same thing over and over again, which is called a routine, then you're just creating one box with lots of uh, moments inside, but it's just mm. one box. So for example, if I tell you, can you remember a time when you were brushing your teeth and you go back to that box, you're thinking of all the different times you did it right at the same time because it's yeah. just one box it's just a, that one memory that yeah. is the same again and again and again and again and, and and life can become one box if you only have a routine and you do it every single day then the same way but when i tell you can you remember the a trip you know maybe in asia or in italy or whatever and then you can imagine w that one different box from the rest because it's like yeah. a special memory and what i feel is that now that we're in quarantine um it just feels like one big box because every day is a little bit of the same when my mm. life before of this because i'm a, a, a keynote speaker i used to travel every two days to a different city so when you ask me about my february that was not too long ago i have so many memories and what i mean by this is i have so many little boxes i remember me on stage in vegas and then the next day I was um, in New Orleans and the next day I was all over eating at different restaurants, having different experiences. And I want my life to be full of these little boxes, these yeah. memories that will create the life that I want for myself. Man, I love that so much. And I love that you pointed out that your pre- fears project you wasn't unhappy or miserable or you know you said you were content in your comfort comfy zone but that you were missing out on all of these other things by staying there and primarily that it was making these memories and i think that's so interesting because although we might be happy and comfortable in our routine you know i've heard there's this correlation between making memories experiencing new things with what we experience as meaning because for our brain interprets, if this was different, then it's worthy of remembering and therefore it's a memory. And if it's a memory, therefore it's experienced as meaning, as this must have been meaningful. And so, yeah, you might have been living a content, so-called happy life in that routine, in the comfort zone. But I'm guessing, it sounds like what you're saying, this current life that you're living is much more meaningful. Is that right? Oh my God, so much. That, that's exactly, that's the right word, meaningful, definitely. And you know what they say that when you do something that you love, times goes by really fast? Yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit of the opposite hmm. because when you look back and you say, my year flew by, it went by so fast. It's because you did so little things and you had your routine so structured that you only you have very few boxes. So when you look back, you're like, what? Where did my year go? Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a lot of memories. But when you are building all of these meaningful, memorable <laughs> memories um, yeah. and you look back, you're like, oh, I've done so much. And it happens also, for example, when you go on a trip and you've been 
in that trip for four days and you're like it's only been four days i feel yeah. like we've been yeah. traveling forever and it's because you've been doing so many things that your brain is storing all of these different memories yeah that's completely true it's so you know speed aside, it's even just the fullness of a year that you spent doing lots of things and creating lots of boxes can feel like a lifetime. And I've experienced that same, same experience. Um, so I want to go to, uh, okay. So we talked a little bit before this project. Now I want to talk about kind of the inception of where this came from. You went to SVA for your master's degree and you studied with Debbie Millman, who's a branding legend. And she had you do a process, um, talking about the 10 year thought experiment. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what you got from it? Yeah. So the, 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 the 100 day project is, is really interesting and the way that Debbie structured it in the program makes it even more like powerful yeah. because she, for example, when you start the program, the branding program at SVA, you know, there's a 100 day project coming. Everybody mm. knows that. And she tells you from the beginning, do not start thinking of ideas for your 100 day project. And what do everybody yeah, do? Right. Everybody starts yeah. thinking of ideas immediately. Uh -huh. It's inevitable. You just, I just started a list of ideas immediately, even though she said not to. And then yes. um, when it was the time to do the 100 day project, two or three weeks before that, she asked us to write a 10 year plan. But I thought it was a really interesting way of asking us that. It's not just write your life in 10 years. It's she and she challenged us to dream big. She's like, if everything goes according to plan, if everything goes right, where would you like to be in 10 years? And it was that was the first challenge because it's really hard to dream big. And yeah. I have to say that I found the essay that I wrote when I was moving two months ago. I was packing my entire house and I found that, that printed piece of paper with my 10-year plan that I wrote in 2015. And I started crying um, out of happiness because I accomplished some things that I thought I would never accomplish or at least would take me 10 years and I did it in, in less than five. And then yeah. also out of sadness because I felt sad for that Michelle that didn't dare to dream as big as she wanted to because it's really, mm -hmm. really hard to dream big. So we, okay, we had to do a 10-year plan. I did it. And then the next exercise was to identify one crucial obstacle that could get in the way of your plans. And so that's when I realized that my fears have always, they've always been in the way of my plans. So like I told you, I was happy, but I was living a very comfortable life and I was not really achieving my biggest goals. I was not yeah. fulfilling my ambition and I've always been a very ambitious person. And I was frustrated that I was not who I wanted to be at that point in my life. And so when I realized that fear, like through that exercise was the one thing that could keep me from achieving my dreams, that's when I embarked on that one project that changed my life for good, which is the 100 day project. And I decided to tackle one fear a day. So I don't know if you had already made this clear, but I had missed it. I had missed that in your, th there's something really super powerful that I want to dig into because so many people, when I talk to them about goal setting or vision or dreaming big for their future, 
Uh, you know, I rarely do that because I'm trying to get people to force things to happen or eliminate the creativity of the journey or the happenstance or the excitement, you know, all that stuff. But I, but there's so much power in the thought experiment of asking yourself, what would I, what, what's a future I would like to create? And yet I feel like so many people have extreme resistance to that activity. And I don't think I always figured out why until I started diving into your story as I realized that the number one thing that keeps people from imagining a future is fear is because so many things that we want are on the other side of fear. And when I read what you had wrote about what you wanted for your uh, future in 10 years, and then how you tackled it with your project, I saw a connection that I hadn't seen before, because you talked about how 10 years from now, a big part of your future is public speaking. And then I realized that the hundredth fear that you tackled was public speaking for your TEDx talk. And I, all of a sudden, I don't know if maybe you already had made it clear to everybody else and I just missed it. I thought, oh, okay, I get, <laughs> I get the complete like full circle thing that's going on here. Did you, was that intentional? Were you aware of how that was playing out? Does that make sense to you? So the public speaking part, when, I didn't know that was a career when I wrote my 10-year plan. Right. I just thought that speakers were experts on a field that were in, like invited to conferences or events to talk about their accomplishments and their knowledge. Sure. And yeah. so when I wrote my 10-year plan, I was like, I want to become an expert in branding. And so I want to be invited to speak at companies and events about my accomplishments because I'll, I'll be so accomplished by then that right. people <laughs> will want me to have you know to be there yeah. and share my experience so that was my my dream mostly because if i i know that if i'm invited to speak at places means that i'm successful so that was like what i thought mm. and then uh, doing a tedx was just something on my list but i don't know i i never thought it was possible for me and i didn't really have a topic before doing a project and then after i faced all those fears i felt like i had a message that i wanted to share with the world and i'm so glad that i did it because at that event i met a real speaker and he's the one that encouraged me to pursue this career and this is what i do full time right now which is insane right so you had i just thought i thought this is so interesting it's such a uh, interesting layer to your journey. Before you set out on this 100-day project, you write this thing that says, this is where I want to go in 10 years, but the thing that's stopping me is fear. And, the th and you write that in 10 years, whether it was your career or not, a big part of your little blurb of this thing is, and I'll be traveling in public speaking everywhere. And so as you go out onto this journey, that ends up being this uh, the thing that you end up tackling and then end up becoming your career. And I just thought that was really, does that make sense? It's kind of like fuzzy, but I find this weird pattern there of, um, you know, this journey was the thing that ended up helping you tackle the, 
the essential part of that plan. Yeah. And actually right before graduating, well, not right before, like during the master's in branding, I had to present quite often, like all the projects. It was a lot of group presentations during the master's program. And every time that I presented, a lot of students and even professors approached me to tell me that they absolutely loved hearing me speak. And I was like, um, cool, what do I do with that? You know, so I guess that when I work at a corporation, I'll be good presenting my projects. I don't know, like that's as far as it goes. Like, what do you yeah. do with that skill? But I but I was always surprised to hear that because I was talking about branding things, nothing too inspiring. And then they're like, I don't know, Michelle, when you speak, I just want to listen to you. Like, you're so engaging the way that you express yourself. And I was mm. like, oh, that's a that's good to know, but what do I do with that? And I'm so yeah. happy I got to turn that into a full career. I find that's really interesting too, because uh, there, Stephen Pressfield, are you familiar with his oh work? Oh my yeah. God, yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that makes sense with the resistance and all that. I think there's a lot of uh, alignment there, but he has this theory that creatives have to go on a hero's journey before they go on an artist's journey. And I've kind of taken that to to, to be like, you know, if you want to find your real gift, you're not going to find it doing a career aptitude test, you know, with the careers counselor in a half an hour in an afternoon of your high school. I really believe that like the act of creating, actively engaging, making stuff, it's in the thick of trying to make stuff happen Mm -hmm. that you stumble upon your Mm -hmm. true gift. And I feel like your story right there is so... Uh, it's such a great example of that as you went into branding, you, you, and what I think is interesting about that is you didn't sit back and wait for your gift or, you know, your strengths or your, your path to fall out of the sky. You said yes to, I'm going to take a shot at my best hypothesis, which at the time it was branding to you. And you went and did this and you made a project and you did all this stuff. And then all out there on the journey, you found this other skill and gift that you didn't know you had. And it was on the other side of a real fear. Mm -hmm. I just find that really interesting. Does that resonate for you? Is that how how it felt like it happened? Yeah. And you know what? The reason why I invested so much time and energy into this project, I was not only facing 100 fears. I was branding this project. Um, I was uploading a video to YouTube every single day. And it was not just any video. I would edit the video with music and and even um, stop motion into it Mm. for the first few videos. And then I'm like, I'm crazy. Why am I doing this to myself? I don't think it needs the stop motion part. It just takes me an extra hour of my day. And I was working full time in advertising and I was doing the master's in branding. So my life was pretty insane at that point. But my goal was to find a job and use this project as my portfolio piece. So that's why I branded it so well. I created a website. I created an emoji meter, which was super cool. So I could measure the level of fear before, during, and after each of the challenges that I faced. Uh, I would answer the same three questions every single day. I would post all over social media. And my idea was to build something that then I can go to a good company like Instagram or YouTube and show them this project. And then they would hire me because they see Mm. that I can build something 
something that, that is really cool and that is engaging. And so at, at the end of the project, I ended up hiring myself. I never applied to any yeah. job. I just decided to create the movement Hello Fears. And we'll link to that in the show notes, that page, because it's really cool. The emoji meter and all that stuff is really, really great. Uh, but did, this question, uh, do you, this question, here it is. Um, <laughs> uh, do you feel like you're at this point in your creative journey? Do you feel like branding or whatever this public speaking thing is, is more of a true passion and talent for you? So you're saying between branding and public speaking or what's yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. I'm like trying to tease out one of my biggest interests and something that I do on the show is I'm very interested in like finding the patterns in uh, creative journeys. And one of the ones that I've found is often we, like I said, we go into developing this skill and we're like, oh, I'm a branding designer. I want to work in branding. And then while we're doing that, we discover this other talent while Mm -hmm. we're building this skill. And I'm just curious if at this point, you would feel like, uh, yeah, you developed the skill of branding and that's really served your business. But all along the way of doing this project and, and learning how to do branding, you discovered this other passion and talent. And I'm just, I was just curious if you had thought about, um, yeah, what, whether, whether you feel like public speaking is like a deeper calling and, and, and deeper talent. I would have to say that branding is still my biggest passion and yeah and and that's my biggest strength as well that's really interesting and then I use public speaking as one of the mediums so Mm. I have several mediums where I brand myself or, or my movement and then I just use those mediums as a way to communicate my brand and my message so social media is one that I'm obsessed i absolutely love creating my community on instagram posting creating stories like crafting my brand on social media i'm extremely passionate about that and then i get to speak about my message in front of so many people and not only is me on stage speaking but it's my presentation and it's uh, crafting that as well so as you can see branding is very present in everything that I do I love it I'm getting very interested and very excited about this so branding what is it maybe first you can talk about you can define what is branding to you? What is good branding? What like what? What do you think is the good stuff? Like that you're like, oh, that's that's the the right thing, both for um, you know brands out there, but also people building personal empires and brands and for themselves. I'm very curious, what, why branding, and and what does it what does it mean to you, and what what is good branding to you? I just hope. Debbie Millman is not listening to this because I, I felt like a sudden pressure that <laughs> I need to answer this no, correctly. Wait. No, there's no, there's no correct answer. There's no correct answer because, and, and by the way, I know what she would say branding is like, she, I've heard her define that and you know, I have tons of good stuff. Yep. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan, but I'm, uh, as big of a fan of your ability to, 
execute and 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 visualize and and envision a brand because you're one of the people who to me has one of the strongest brands including the way that you have integrated your message through your public speaking and and social media and all of those individual points i'm not really curious at all what the right answer yeah. is to that question <laughs> i'm only curious about what your answer is and why do you why would you say i'm it, it really piques my curiosity i thought for sure you were going to say no you know i found public speaking and that's my real talent and i freaking love it it's so fascinating to me to hear you say that branding still comes first branding's your true baby and that just makes me want to be like why what <laughs> what is it why do you like this so much what does it mean to you so to me branding is a journey to discover your true authenticity. Yeah. Like, By the way, that's yeah. my whole purpose of really? living. Yeah. I was, I literally, before we got on this call, I was thinking about, you know, cause I started thinking about the what, like, okay, I have a podcast and then I have this, you know, I have like kids books and I'm working on these fictional properties and all these different things. And I'm, you know, I'm lost in like, who am I? Cause I'm getting <laughs> in the weeds of the what, but then I went back to, this is like a half an hour. Oh, but I'm all about what Carl Jung called, he was like a psychologist called yeah. the process of individuation. You already know. I don't even, I'm not educating you. Um, yeah, but the, uh, the process of individuation or what Joseph Campbell would call the hero's journey. It's all about the journey mm -hmm. of authenticity, the journey of discovering who am I? And you're so right. Branding is that for brands and people. Mm -hmm. um, but man, I didn't know you were going to say that. I'm wow. all, that's my thing. <laughs> Tell me more about this. So I think that I'm very fascinated by the, like the, the, that what just that, the true authenticity of each individual. I think that we're all so yeah. different because we are made of our own experiences and our own stories and our own backgrounds, right? Our, our even ancestors have so much um, influence mm. in who we are today. And so I am a big fan of people that are able to understand what their true authenticity is, tap into it and use it to their favor, use it, use it to actually brand themselves and whatever they do. And it's a matter of being very cohesive with what you think, what you feel and how you act. And mm. I think that is what creates a brand. If all of those things are in alignment, then your brand will be like, I, I don't know what the word is, but like. Um, on point? On point. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I point. love what you just said, because I think I'd always, I think a lot of people when they think about personal brand or branding and someone saying they need to be cohesive, I think that people... Uh, hear that as you need to put on a veneer, a superficial, you know, cover every front, make it all the same, make it all cohesive, and it being this like band-aid over a thing rather than what you're describing, which is an emanating of the truth. It's like, you know, the cohesion comes from getting in touch with the truth of who you are and then purposefully putting that out uh, in a cohesive way that clearly states that truth. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think that the biggest problem is that we are too focused 
looking outside. Mm. We spend too much time looking at other people. Now, even more with social media, it's unavoidable to every time that we see something or someone, we immediately compare ourselves to that. Are we better? Are we worse? Do we have enough of that or are we lacking? Or, you know, everything that we see is like a point of reference to us in some way. And yeah. so we stop looking inside. And that's where your true authenticity is, is inside of you, is nowhere outside. If you're trying to find it outside, like when people say, I want to get inspired, let, let me browse through Instagram or Pinterest, you're then going to be copying something else and you're not going to be creating from within. I think inspiration mm. has to come from within. And so I say that the difference is that people a lot of time they're trying to compare themselves to others when re in reality what they have to do is contrast and the only way to contrast mm. is by looking inside and then having the courage to bring the inside out man that's so good um let me, let me say uh what do you have any tactics strategies tips for teasing out that internal inspiration um find how do you know how do you tune your internal metal detector to finding that gold inside does that yeah make sense do you have what 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 are what are things that have helped you or or thought experiments or whatever that's helped you do that so there's one exercise that i learned from google so when i went not google like the search engine but when i actually <laughs> went i was gonna say like that would be amazing like how do i find myself yeah i got the answer on google um yeah that's amazing. Oh, no, no, no. Then I realized I'm like, wait, to everybody else, Google is just a search engine. And I'm right. talking about actually <laughs> going to their offices and yeah. speaking to their team. And then they told me about this amazing exercise that is called I'm Remarkable Because. And it's, you know, you just have to write a list. Like, ask yourself that question. What makes me remarkable? And write it down. I'm remarkable because, and then write as many things as you can in there. And then you'll be thinking about all those little things that make you feel proud of yourself. And the idea is not to write down those big accomplishments that only happen once in a lifetime. Like I mm. won an Oscar or I graduated from Harvard. I mean, those only happen once. That's fine. But I'm not talking about that. It's little things on the day to day that makes you remarkable. So for example, I'm remarkable because I'm a good daughter. I mean, I call my mom every single day or I mm. cook healthy meals for my family or I stand up for myself when I have to or I stand up for others or, you know, all of, I'm a good person. I'm a good friend. Like all of those little things that make you feel proud of yourself, you have to write them down because we are not used to asking ourselves this question. We are always bringing ourselves down. We're always telling ourselves that we're not enough. And so that doesn't really help us. It just brings down our confidence. But when we start to realize all of the little things that actually makes us who we are and and you know how remarkable we, we truly are that's when we start to build our confidence and this exercise you can it has some layers to it so the mm. first one is to write it down and i do this i don't know if i did it when you came to hear me speak like mm. i do this on stage i ask people and i give them two minutes to write down as many things as possible and then i ask them to share their list with the 
person sitting right next to them and they want to kill me in that moment because they're like <laughs> i need to do what <laughs> this this was uncomfortable enough with myself i can't even imagine sharing this and i and i tell them you have to read it out loud you can't just show your notes and so yeah. once you read it out loud you realize that you are that person there's everything in that list is true you wrote it only for yourself and then you start getting this confidence and i always ask people how did you feel writing it down and everybody was like terrible so uncomfortable it was so hard and then i asked them how did you feel when you said it out loud and they're like it felt good they, they all agree that it actually feels good to say it out loud so imagine if we would do this exercise more often in fact i carry that list with me on my iphone on my notes and every time that i can i add things to it and then there's another layer to it that is to ask someone that is close to you what do they think makes you remarkable and they will tell you things that are not in your list and that you will be surprised like positively surprised by that yes that is a yeah i was gonna uh, i was gonna say that that's something that i've done recently where i would ask friends i asked a few close friends you know people that i knew were a fan of the stuff that i did but also a close friend you know, what's the biggest impact that I've had on you personally? And I thought that they would say something about my strategies or what, I don't know, something like that. And the funny thing is they all said the same thing and it was something I didn't expect him to say. And it was that the biggest impact you've had on me was that you're really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, thanks. And they were like, no, but that you being such a weirdo and putting it out there and, and it working for you has really inspired me to lean into how I'm different and own it. And, and I'd never, I hadn't really thought about it. And the funny thing is I'd, I, I wasn't planning on telling you this, but, um, I feel like I have to, when we, when I went to go to your talk, when you were here in Columbus, I had such a profound experience that I have only had maybe one other time in my life. And I, it was definitely, um, stuff you were saying, but I want to say it might've even just been something about the, your, uh, energy that you were bringing to this talk, but I started to feel I started to have this thing of um, getting deeper in touch with my own, as you would call, brand, mm -hmm. but this th my own authenticity. And I realized, sat there, and I had this. I went, went and called my dad and talked to him about it. Talked to my wife about it. That you know, I'd made all these things about creative career and and illustration and all that. And I thought. I think there's actually a deeper calling to get people to lean into their neurodiversity. Cause I talk a lot about leaning into, you know, I lean into my ADHD mm -hmm. and I own it and I, and I, you know, and I exist over there. Um, but it actually, yeah, you're, you're watching you talk and, and do all that really called out, a, a deeper authenticity in me. And I just want to tell you that oh. not because it makes good interview content. I don't know if it does, but it, but it's, <laughs> I feel <laughs> honored. I, <it's> <laughs> I feel honored hearing that. And it's also, it's not the first time I hear that. Um, from That's amazing. People that, that, that hear me speak and that they've been reading my book. Um, they say that it's a self-discovery journey at the end of the day because of the questions that I ask and the way that I also present myself and that, and, and, and there's a word that I love. I'm very, very in love with this word and is unapologetic. Mm -hmm. I think that the more that we can be ourselves unapologetically, the more authentic 
will be with us and mm. with the world. Man, that makes so much sense. And I also, uh, you know, you saying that this is a personal journey for so many people reading this book and, and hearing you speak makes so much sense to me because I think the thing that's holding us back from being our true self is fear. It's this idea, uh, again, um, the fear that Joseph Campbell, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And that cave you fear to enter, it's your sa shadow side. It's all the things that you know that you are, that you wish you could be, that you're afraid to embody. And those are the fears that ended up end up controlling us and keeping us from our full creative selves. And um, yeah, I guess it makes so much sense that this book and this this movement that you've built about facing your fears would primarily go back to facing the fears of who you're afraid to be. And you know what's interesting? That I've always been a very authentic person like that that's how people would describe me from at every age like i yeah. i even though i had a lot of fears being my my authentic self and showing my true self to the world was not one of my fears mm. so it was frustrating for me because i was like i am this person that i have all this potential and i'm not fulfilling it because my fears are limiting me but it was mm. not related to my authenticities it was related to other like small things that I was just keeping myself from, from achieving. Um, and so now I just before quarantine and coronavirus and all of that, I was building a full talk about tapping into the white space and becoming your most authentic self. And my examples go from even before my my project so it's not mm. even related necessarily to the project because i want to talk about authenticity in every stage of my life and even the way that i applied to the branding program you know the the sba program they only accept uh 30 like between 25 and 30 people a year and yeah. thousands of people apply and it was my biggest dream to get into that program so the way that i even applied to the program was outside of the box and in very much aligned with who I am. That's incredible. I also think, uh, you know, we go out onto these journeys and I do feel like it's almost always about discovering something we had before we went on them. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like it's, that's, that's so true to me. And I wonder, could you speak to a little bit about this new talk and the white space and, and, and what, what, uh, what's that all about? Yeah. So it goes back to the concept that I was saying before of comparing versus contrasting. And mm. so it all goes down to the question, what is everybody else doing and how can I do it my way? Not necessarily differently, even though, yes, ideally differently. So you're not one more. But I have to say that one of my biggest fears throughout my life has been to be one more, to blend in. So I yeah. always wanted to stand out. So I, in order to stand out, you have to take risks. You need a lot of courage for that. So for example, yeah. like I was saying, applying to the pro program, the branding program takes, uh, it, it's really hard to get in. So I was like, what is everybody else doing? And then I'm like, hmm, probably they're all talking highly about themselves right they're yeah. all trying to show how like how good of a fit they are for this program and how accomplished they are and if you show a portfolio 
that you you could like it was uh, an op- it's optional to show your portfolio um and debbie even said if you're going to show us your portfolio it has to be exceptional so think mm. about it before before sending a portfolio and i was like you know what i'll do it differently i'm going to criticize like negatively criticize all of my pieces that's what i'm going right. to do so <laughs> if you look at my portfolio it's like a beautiful logo or whatever but i'm saying all everything that is wrong with it and i'm like so i did this and it looked nice but big mistake i never did the research before starting this logo so it didn't connect with the right audience and i just said everything that was wrong about every one of my pieces in that portfolio and i think that's exactly what got their attention man that's so good the thing i love about that is that advice is that it's so um non-dual so it's not you know, either completely ignore everybody or copy everybody. It's it's a it's a process of don't completely be ignorant to what's happening out there. Do your research, go figure it out. But then instead of using that to follow a trend, use that to subvert and do something totally different. It reminds me of, you know, I used to do these craft shows where I would be selling my merch and my posters and all that stuff. And, uh, and I would look around at all of the setups. And as the craft show thing started to really take off, these setups, these booths became more and more cumbersome and crazy and high, you know, high end, slick. All you know, everybody was branding this thing. And it was a this huge ordeal. And I was just like, man, I am never, I'm like, I'm a much messier person. And I also don't like I don't like physical reality that much. That's just something about me. Like <laughs> I'm about I ideas and fantasy. And I just like, man, putting together this booth and I'm never going to measure up to all of these other people. And, uh, and I did, I, you know, unconsciously did what you just said, which was instead of trying to do what they were doing, I con instead of comparing, I did the contrast and I set up, I created this cardboard booth, super minimal. And it looks like the Charlie Brown Mm -hmm. Lucy booth. Um, It says creative pep talks for five cents. And it's super crappy. um, (laughs) But man, that thing worked for me better than almost anything I'd ever done in that setting. And so I can just attest like, that's such a good practice. And you know why? Because you are being true to your values. And it goes all everything goes back to that. And that's an exercise that also we had to do in the branding program we had to uh, figure out what are our top three values there's something like that i'm not sure if debbie called it values at that point but that's how i call it right now um so what are your top values right and you only need to define three or four and it took me years to figure out my values but one of my truest values is transparency and that's also why I decided to be very honest in my portfolio because if transparency Mm. is my core value and I don't have a lot of filter I just say things as I think about them um, I might as well say the good and the bad about everything I do that's fantastic do you uh do you have you know somewhere on your phone or whatever uh, an ongoing list or uh, document that documents your values? Well, no, because I already know like what they are. So yeah. what do you mean? What are they? Mm-hmm. Oh, what are I they? Would, so would, yeah. um, it's authenticity, courage, transparency. And then the fourth one, I don't know how to call it, but it's like good design. Like 
things that are visually appealing, that is one of my core values. Things just mm. really need to look well designed or nice for me to yeah. pay attention. Oh man, that's so good. I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take that as a uh, practice. I'm very obsessed with core values. We just launched this uh, artist management agency called CoLoop and you know, that thing was birthed from a vision and core values. Like everything we've done has been intentional, but I haven't been, um, it's been a while since I really addressed that. And I would love to have my core values be as uh, second nature to me that yeah. I could just list them in the way that you did. So I feel like that's a good practice for any of the people listening. Oh, so good. Like absolutely everything I do from a post to the way that I talk to my mom, to the way that I dress, everything has to embody those core values. And that is why I think you say that my brand is so on point. And that's why I'm yeah. so in love with branding. It's it's it takes years to figure out your values, but you have to really look for them and and understand what are those top three things that you care so much about. And I started evaluating my world, like everything around me in terms of those values. And I realized that, for example, the friends that I connect to the most are the ones that have the same values. Maybe not, yeah. they're not there. You know, those three are their top values. But my truest friends they're very authentic like they're very themselves they don't care they're unapologetic they're they don't care what other people are thinking or what everybody else is doing they just do their own thing they're very courageous and that's why i also admire them and want to be close to them and then they're so transparent which i think for me that's the core one i can't be with someone that is fake or that you know it feels like they're hiding something that's just yeah. it really do doesn't go with me yeah that's really great and i i talk about we we've been thinking a lot about on this show, you know, the difference of creating from a place where you feel centered and balanced versus creating from a place where you're feeling frantic and anxious and all over the place. And I've noticed for myself, as you're saying that, it's so much about am I, it, these values, it's, you know, you saying, uh, you know, when I talk to my mom or when I make a post or whenever, it's not that these are rules from an external source that says you should be doing them. It's a internal thing that says I feel imbalanced and centered and on my path when I'm acting in this way. And therefore, I'm going to attempt to act in these ways as often as possible. And the same goes for the creative work that you make. Yes. And you know what I heard the other day? Um, I was having a live that I did with, do you know, Nir Eyal? He wrote no. uh, Indestructible and Hooked. Hmm. Very, okay. very they, Yeah, amazing. those sound familiar to me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He Hooked is like a huge book. Well, he told me yep. he was defining values as the qualities of the person that you want to become. So mm. I never thought about that because it's all for me has always been who I am, but maybe because I already became the person I wanted to become, maybe I think. Mm. Uh, but mm. and when you're not there, you're not right now the person you want to become, then it's about thinking that like, what are some of the qualities the person I want to become have. And I think, for example, courage in my case is something that was not part of my core values a few years ago. Mm. In fact, it was the opposite. It was comfort. I would always choose comfort over courage. And then I, in order, and they can't coexist. coexist. So I had to remove the comfort and replace it with courage. And I'm so Man, happier that I did that. That's amazing. I think that there's even a discomfort that you have internally when it's almost like cur it's almost like those true values 
were your true self even before you became it. And I think that there are those things in my life where the places where I haven't uh, reached my potential in terms of how I'm embodying what I know to be my true values, that's when I feel out of whack. When I feel like, oh, I'm acting in a way that's n- not with the things that I actually value and believe in. Um, th- there's that gap between who you are now and who you're who your your ideal self or your true self is is that that that's what it sounds like you're saying yeah 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 exactly that <laughs> man that's so good um okay so uh, i would love to hear about if you could tell us how your book relates to um f- all the stuff that we've been talking about how facing your fears and working through this book can help you become your most authentic self? Yeah. So the book has 10 chapters and it is 10 different fears that hold us back from becoming who we're meant to be. So that's how I split it. And so Mm. what I even tell people at the beginning is choose the chapter you want to, you can relate to the most, choose the, the fear that is holding you back the most. So you don't really need to read chapter one and then chapter two. In fact, I'm doing the lunch next week, an event, and I'll be reading the last chapter of the book. And people are like, mm. no, spoiler alert. And I'm like, it's not a spoiler. <laughs> Actually, you know, that's just one of the 10 different things that hold us back. And so, for example, there's a whole chapter, which is chapter three about society and how, and this is for the people that they listen too much to the people around them and they don't listen enough to themselves. So it's a little bit on how to lower the volume of the people around you in order to actually make choices based on your own needs and wants and priorities. Um, And then chapter four is everything we've been discussing about today. uh, Contrast, compare, what are your values, self-branding, all of that. Um, It's all about authenticity, how to actually tap into your most authentic self. And then um, chapter five is about haters, you know, how how so many people (laughs) stop exposing themselves and their talents because they're too afraid of what others may think or how can they be criticized, all of that. So um, everything we, we talked about today is just a little bit of this book. And it's like I said at the beginning, it's journey. It's my journey, but you live it with me. So and I have a lot of questions and exercises throughout my stories. So you can start putting all of my tools into your life and start taking action from there. So it's a very actionable book, very emotional too. And it's very personal. So all Mm. of these exercises is for you to be very honest with yourself. I think that because I'm very honest in the book. So I'm expecting the same from people that are reading it. Yeah. Did you, is there any uh, favorite exercise that you hadn't mentioned today that uh, from the book that you could um, give as a tease for what we could expect? Wow, that's a hard question. Well, <laughs> whew, I'm like could just be the browsing one, the really one. quick. Like, yeah. what is this exercise? Uh, yes, yes, there is actually. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> okay, I got it. It's the, in chapter three, I was saying it's about society and how that affects us so much. So I asked people to write down what are the boxes that they were checking during their entire life and that those are the typical 
boxes from society, right? So I have to get married. I have to find a good job. I need to buy a house, you know, in order for people to mm. know that I am adult, an adult and that I'm doing all right. I need to buy a house. I need to buy a car. I need to, you know, have kids, yeah. of course, before 30, you know, then it's too late. And all these like things that we have in our heads, it, it really changes from culture to culture. Um, sure. It's the expectations that society have over you. And then I challenge people to write their own checkbox, like their own list of things, things they want to accomplish for themselves that are very different from the things that society is asking them to do. So I think that's a very powerful exercise because it it's not about, you know, we were saying it's really hard to do those five-year plans or 10-year plans. I'm yeah. not even asking you to put a date on these. It's all about just making sure that you know what are the things that you want to accomplish for yourself. And I want to ask you this, if nobody knows that you accomplished that, would it still matter? Because so many yep. people think like, oh, I want to have this kind of car or watch or I want to go to this place. And it's just because they want to brag about it. They want they, they want to belong. They want to do what everybody else is doing and have yeah. as much as their friends or even more. But what are the truest things that would fulfill your soul that even if no one knows about it, you'll be happy that you did them? Yeah, that's brilliant. I think what what I feel like that might do is it'll help you see which values are you living by that aren't your own. You know, as you make that list, it's going to become apparent that, you know, this, this list that's been given to you by society, these achievements that have been uh, in the back of your mind that you've been working towards, when you start noticing which of those aren't in line with your values, you're going to notice like, oh, I have all these other uh, core values that I've been living mm -hmm. that aren't actually um, coming from my true self. Yes. Very important. Well, that's great. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> thank you. We'll put all the stuff in the show notes, place where you can get the book and find uh, Michelle's project and find her on Instagram. She's got really fantastic Instagram. Is there anything else that you want to tell my audience or places they can go to get all of your good stuff? So, I think the best place they could go is find hello fears on instagram that's where i share about everything that is going on in my life i do it in a very vulnerable and unapologetic way so i think they're going to have fun and relate to a lot of the things that i'll be saying and and just be part of the hello fears community yeah that's that's fantastic do you ever do any of your own events because i know you'll do a lot of speaking to organizations uh but if people want to just come speak hear you speak do, is there ever opportunities for that well you know once we get out of this lockdown exactly so once we get out of the <laughs> my entire plan was to launch the book um and do a full-blown tour around the united states and go everywhere because i do yeah. love to organize my own events so i get to connect with the people that have been following me um and now we are stuck here and i'll be launching a book from the internet but as yeah. soon as we're out of and we can fly again i will be doing events all around the country great uh Last question, a quick one. Are now that we're in lockdown, like you said, it's hard to be making memories. It's hard to be living life to the fullest when you're locked in your apartment or your house. Uh, is there any 
anything that's helped you get a little bit of that energy that you found in the 100 day project um, of facing your fears? Or is there anything that any little things that you've been able to do that have helped you get a little bit out of the routine and mundane? I think that this is a time for us to fail. And so yeah. if you think about <laughs> it that way, <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's a time for you to try different things, things that maybe you thought at one point and then you're like, eh, I'm not sure if that would work. This is the time to do it. I mean, the world is failing the whole world. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's this is so a- good. You're so right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is the time. If there's never, we talked about this on uh, an episode I had with a buddy of mine, Johnny Pemberton, an actor, comedian guy um, about, yeah, like this, when, and I, he didn't put it exactly that way, but it makes so much sense. Like the whole system is failing. <laughs> if it's not comfortable to fail right now, when will it be? So yeah. what can you try creatively? What, you know, yeah. What can you just give it a shot? even though you know it's going to be terrible or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. great advice. I think as creatives, this is an amazing time for us to challenge ourselves to do things differently. Like I was like, okay, how do I do my conferences um, online? So the first one I did was my own, like not for a client. It, I just said, I basically democratized my talk. My mm. following, like my audience, they've been wanting to hear this talk for a long time. And they've always been disappointed that I only speak at corporations. And if they don't belong yeah. to one that would hire me, then they don't get the chance to see me. And so I was like, you know what? I'll open my talk to everybody. And I even charge for it. And I had over 300 people that paid to get, And then 200 that I invited. They were um, 500 people in that event that I did via Zoom um, a month ago already. And it, and for me, it was a challenge because I'm used to a very big stage, right? And whenever yeah. they introduce me, I come on dancing. So I was like, how do I do that from my home? And so I asked my husband to be my MC. So when we started the event, <laughs> they would see him first. And then he yeah. would introduce me and teach people how to use the platform correctly, how to do the chat all of it and then he's like welcome michelle polar and then he left there's no one and then i click to my music and i start <laughs> dancing in my living room and i make made people dance in their own living rooms so it was like how do i transform this whole experience that i'm used to doing it live into an amazing experience that from from your couch right and so and i think that we yeah. were able to do a really good job through the chat through social media like using all of the different mediums at the same time combined so we create a full experience and we all fit, felt connected while we were all separated in our own homes right yeah that's amazing that's a great idea um well thank you so much for doing this this, this was an absolutely fantastic episode there was a bunch of stuff that even surprised me i didn't know we were going to get to um thanks for taking the time and and giving so much to the creative pep talk audience i'm so happy to do it because i don't normally get to talk about creative stuff they always ask me only about my fears and my project and right. i want to talk about the creative <laughs> process so i'm super excited that we did this and you're an amazing interviewer thank you <laughs> thank you see ya bye Michelle, thank you so much for your generosity, your time, and sharing your experience and your insights. We love you. You, we, you are creative pep talk people. This is this is creative pep talk material, man. Facing your fears, you know I'm into that. Go buy Michelle's book, Hello Fears. 
go get it wherever books are sold. You're not gonna regret it. It's a beautiful thing. It's gonna sit on your shelf. Everyone's gonna be like, what's that book? It looks so good. I bet it's fun to read. It is. Go check it out. It's personal. It's inspiring. It's colorful. It's got illustrations in there. Get on it. Thanks, Michelle. You're awesome. I can't wait to have you back on the show again. And I can't wait to see you speak again when we get out of this crazy season of humanity. I want to see what season two has in store for this whole thing. I don't know if I do. Anyway, um, (laughs) thanks, Michelle. You're awesome. And also, you know who else is awesome? Every one of you Patreon backers. Oh my goodness gracious. We started up in our Patreon game for this podcast. If you don't know, this podcast is partially listener supported. Uh, Over the years, you know, I started this thing as a side project and uh, I've been an illustrator for about a decade and illustration's been really good to me. But I started diving into the podcast world. I became obsessed. And over the years, we slowly but surely grew and grew and grew into this thing that is Creative Pep Talk now. And if you don't know, it's partially listener supported. So yeah, we do have sponsors, but I will be honest with you, since the uh, whole Corona thing happened, our sponsorship has been a little bit lean. And if you want to be a part of making sure this podcast can continue at the level that it is you can go back the podcast financially at patreon.com slash creative pep talk and become the lifeblood become a creative pep heroni with the rest of them we've been pushing for getting to 500 backers we're almost at 300 right now we had like a hundred backers just in the past couple weeks so thank you so much if you are in a place where finances are flowing and you're feeling great and you're in a financially great place we could use your help to help this show continue to go at full-fledged ability but if you are in a place where Finances are scary. You don't know where the money's coming from. You just got laid off. You know, whatever. We don't want your money. I'm not kidding you. We exist to help you thrive, to get into the best possible state between your creativity and your finances. We don't want to take away from that or be a burden on that. If you're in that place, don't give us your money. This is a free gift to you and we're happy to bring it to you. And I'm thrilled that we get to. And all of you who are currently backing, you are giving this gift to people that are struggling in their creative practice and need a boost. So you are awesome. We celebrate you. We see you. We've had a lot more... um, I've been sharing these little peppy talks for $2 plus backers. It's $2 per episode of the show. Plus, uh, I do these little episodes of the podcast that are secret. And it's just really me sharing what's going on in my world, what I'm wrestling with and thinking about now. And I've used it a little bit as a sounding board, asking the creative pepperonis, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about moving to this. These are the things I'm creatively struggling with. And I think that there's something to glean that's totally different than what I share on this show, which is mostly stuff that I'd already learned or things that I already put in practice on a regular basis. So it's really cool. Thank you so much for making that happen. Patreon.com slash creative pep talk. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing this show. We got a new editor in the house. Woo. Um, we're super pumped about that. 
Thanks to all of you for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. I mean, stay pepped up, man. Woo!